Welcome in, everybody. Episode 59 of the Sports Gospel Podcast. Happy to have you all here with us. Darren, Shannon, and Kevin on you with this week's episode. And it's been a minute since we've had these guys on. And as you may or may not believe, we don't really rehearse this show. We kind of shoot from the hip and very free-flowing episode this week. Kind of up to you guys. We can just pick what we want to talk about. At the end, we will recap the NFL draft. Yes, I know it was like three weeks ago, but we never got to celebrate how good or poorly we did in that. But just going to kind of open the floor up to the two of you guys. We've got PGA Championship we want to get to. We've got NBA playoffs. We've got NHL playoffs. We've got NBA draft lottery. We've got NASCAR. Uh, any Anything you're really itching to get to first? I don't even know. Let's see. The Magic won the NBA draft lottery. I had not a single clue what happened after that. <laughs> no. So your, your top five, you've got the Magic, the Thunder, the Rockets, the Kings, and the Pistons. How terrible it would be to be drafted by any of those teams. <laughs> the Thunder might be good someday, so that might not be the worst. Well, I, th- I feel like the the Magic and the Kings are just always going to be bad, even though they have these great young cores, and every year we say they're finally going to do it. The Thunder have historically been a good drafting team. You've got Shai Gilgis-Alexander. They seem to have found a diamond in the rough with Josh Giddy. Joining that wouldn't be the worst. The Rockets, I, I like to think the Rockets and Pistons have hope. But yeah, Kings and Magic. 20-year rebuilding plans for those two. The Kings seem to always, on their own tail, uh, you you hear a good player, and in, in one that we know well is Tyrese Halliburton. So you draft a good player, and then you trade him away. Like, they've kept De'Aaron Fox, but they've traded away. And, like, Harrison Barnes is toiling in Sacramento – you don't want to go to the Kings if you're anybody. And Tyrese Halliburton said all the good, all the right things when he got traded away, but you know he had to feel happy to get out of that situation. The magic, like they draft all these guys and then they're garbage. But it it wouldn't be so bad to go to the Thunder or the Rockets. The Rockets at least have history on their side of being a franchise. It's a matter of getting a core built up and and being competitive. I would totally agree with everything you guys said. I think. Kings fans themselves are even fully aware that their their people are going to make bad decisions, and so I don't I don't think what they got in return for Halliburton was the worst, but it's probably a situation where you need to keep Halliburton and then get those guys to become good, and they just kind of passed along to stay floating, just below making the playoffs, which these days, well, you got to be in the top ten to get into the play-in, so that is virtually everybody is at that level and the Kings seem like they'll just always be 12th place. They thinking about the top players you have at the top, the teams you have at the top, the top four that people seem to be rallying around is the top guys. You have Chet, the jet from Gonzaga this year was the number one player last year, the seven foot four center. You've got Jabari Smith, who is highly touted. I believe the son of Josh Smith, if I'm correct, played at Auburn this year, big bruising kind of power forward. And then you have Jaden Ivey, who's the sharpshooter from Purdue, a guy who I really took a liking to in the big dance. I didn't know a whole lot about him before, but he really feels like your next great shooting guard. And then you have Paolo Bancaro, who for my money would be the best guy in this draft. He's just as big as Jabari Smith and Chet Holmgren, and I think more well-rounded. So we'll see how it shakes out. But those are your top four. And then you get into guys like Keegan Murray, Johnny Davis, O'Shea Abaji, uh, Shaden Sharp, I don't know a whole lot about, but uh, supposedly coming out of Kentucky as a freshman there. So a lot of young guys, I see the, the main thing people seem to think that Chet or Jabari Smith are the guys who are going to go. And I think Chet Holmgren and Jalen Suggs, who was drafted by the magic last year, they're both from Minnesota. I believe both went to Gonzaga. So I think there's a relationship there. So that may be a built-in option for Chet, but if I'm the magic, Paolo Bancaro is my pick. That's where I would go to. He seems the most ready right now and these teams aren't ready to win right now. So you probably don't need a guy that's ready from day one, but, um, and if you're him, you probably want to go to the thunder. I'd agree with everything you guys said. They they have some pieces there. I'm not sure what pieces and the other teams have that look hopeful. The thunder have pieces and a thousand draft picks over the next few years. So if you're a good player, that's probably where you want to go. Um, and, you know, Chad Holmgren, I'm just not so sure how good he'll be. I think he's good enough that he can play and he'll be in the NBA. I'm just not sure what he'll do. That probably applies to almost all these guys. Um, it doesn't seem like there's anyone who's a, a surefire superstar in the group. 
Um, some of these guys seem like they'll be pretty good. Um, even like a guy like Keegan Murray, it, it feels like maybe you'll get a pretty good player out of him. So if, as long as you're not looking for a superstar, you're looking for something to kind of complement your team and do a bunch of things. Um, you know, any of those teams in like the five to 10 area, they kind of got a good core already. He'll, he'll be a nice boost to a team that is in a good position to be that, that solid role player to get you over the hump. I don't, I don't think there's any Anthony Bennett or Markel Fultz kind of guys sitting there. I don't think you can go wrong with those top four. You're going to get somebody. I do think there's a lot of projects in there and especially Chet, some guy who maybe in five years you'd look at being great. But right now I don't feel really great that he's a guy who can step in. I'm just looking at some of the last couple of first overall picks. Anthony Edwards has been a stud in his first two years. Cade Cunningham, I think, quietly had a decent year. Zion, well-documented what's going on there. Markel Fultz and Ben Simmons, we know the issues. But I think DeAndre Ayton is a good guy. I think I look at Paolo Bancaro as a guy who could be that DeAndre Ayton-ish who was decent when he started out, came in pretty pro-ready, but you look the way he's developed in the last couple of years. That I think that could be a good ceiling for Bancaro and a guy worthy of that first overall pick. The other ones make me a little bit more nervous. Again, I love Jaden Ivey, but... I don't know that the Magic need him with a decent backcourt they've already assembled of young guys. The Magic already have Markel Fultz. They don't need another one. One is enough for a team. But the Magic might take two. <laughs> you also have, you mentioned the Thunder. They have picks two and 12. They own the Clippers first round pick. So they're picking twice. I believe they're the only team who have two in the lottery and the Pelicans do have the Lakers picks. So Worst comes to worst for the Lakers. Not only do you have nothing, but you also have no picks to rebuild with. Yeah, they're pretty screwed for next year. Watch out for the Trailblazers. They're going to trade out of that spot. Somebody's going to fall in love with the guy falling, and the Blazers are going to trade back and get somebody for that. We could just stay in the NBA for now. As we're recording this, the Warriors are hammering the Mavericks, which I'm just going to jump to it and say this is exactly what I expected. I've picked against the Mavericks the first two rounds. I will continue to pick against them this round. I've been very infatuated with this Warriors team. I think the Warriors are the team to beat, at least in the West, if not the whole deal. And I would not be shocked if they destroy the Mavericks. I could even see a five-game series. I think the Warriors are turning it on. They're improving round by round by round. They've taken down Jokic. They've taken down John Morant. They can handle Luka. I know everybody's fallen in love with Luka in the past two weeks and treating him like he's the second coming of Magic Johnson. But give me the Warriors to take care of the Mavs, and then we can talk about the East here in a minute. Darren, if if uh, Luca hears your statement, it five game series. The Mavs winning four to one. I I'm on Team Devin Booker in this feud. You should not be. That's a bad position to take. <laughs> I'll go down with that ship. So I'm looking I, at the box score right now. Yeah, and so I was a I was a go with the take that the Warriors just have more weapons, and so they're going to win because. The Mavericks just are not going to get enough out of their role players, which was kind of a big part. Um, Finney Smith was hitting a lot of threes, I believe, in the first round and did witty too. Um, and then the people kind of thought the Suns would, would end that. And it kind of happened right away. But um, those guys all stepped up, um, kind of some of those other lower names. And then Brunson, Donick, uh, obviously do what they do. Um, looking at today, Dinwiddie actually has 17 points. So he's he's handling, handling it too. But uh, – Finney Smith has three points. Um, but the, the Warriors just have so many people. Um, and, you know, you have a guy like Jordan Poole and most teams, he'd be a focus just to not let him get his his clean looks because, you know, he's a scorer. Um, and when he is like the third option that you have to focus on for getting his, his threes and all that stuff, it just makes it really tough to, to slow them down. And if the, as long as the Warriors don't play terribly – it seems like they should easily be able to take care of the Mavericks. Um, I was kind of getting to the point where they probably beat the Suns too. I know I picked the Suns to, to win the whole thing. Um, and from just overall talent standpoint, I, I still think they're probably at the close to being the best team, but clearly the playoffs and getting things done when they need to is not their, their thing. So um, the Warriors, I'll take them in the West for sure. I was able to get the Warriors at plus 290 for them to, to win the whole thing. Uh, I I also don't want to bet against Luca in in switching conferences. So Darren I want the Warriors to win, obviously for money reasons, but I'm not if the Mavericks do. On the Eastern Conference, that's the fun one to watch because those are that could be a seven game series, and either team could come out of there because they both play really well at times, 
and they also have a chance to go cold uh, for the Heat. If if Tyler Hero is going to come out and play, they're really hard to beat. And and with the Celtics, like Jason, just elevated to a whole new level of basketball. Been somebody really hard to contain. That's the series to watch to keep your eye on for the next couple of weeks. The Heat and the Celtics are are fun, I think, in the aspect that that there's plenty of big name players, but there's just a lot of not big name players on these rosters to be sitting here. Like the Heat, they're starting at PJ Tucker, who's he's been around for a while, right? But he doesn't seem like he does a whole lot. Bam Abadayo, he's been around for a little bit. Max Struss who most people probably have no idea who he is, second-year guy from uh, – he played at DePaul, and before that he played at a college called Lewis. So that's exciting for him. Uh, Gabe Vincent, again, people probably don't know much about him, another second-year guy. And so he kind of got these guys in a starting lineup that um, they get a lot done. Uh, Caleb Martin, another second-year guy, he played at North Carolina State, Nevada. Um but Tyler Hero, he's probably a much bigger name than a lot of the stars they have there at the Heat. So a team who's the number one seed, a team that now has a 1-0 lead in the conference finals. And there's just a lot of guys who you don't you don't know a lot about on that team. And so that's, you know, everyone talks about Jimmy Butler and he gets all the headlines and some people like him, some people hate him. Um, but they just have kind of a fun team that they've put together there. And it seems like that's usually what the Heat do that, I mean, outside of obviously when they had Dwayne Wade and LeBron and and that group, but they just seem to kind of put together teams well there and get guys that maybe don't seem like superstars, but are good team players. Um, I picked the heat to win in the East. Um, I think I'll stick with that. I thought that maybe the Celtics would win. Um, but if, you know, who knows what their injuries right now um, between injuries and COVID they're they're kind of uh, hurting a little bit. So we'll see what they get when they come back, but uh, seven games would definitely seem very, reasonable and would be a fun series to watch play out. That's the case. <clears throat> I was looking up the history here and there's some fresh blood here between the heat and the Celtics. So the heat are two and zero against the Celtics all time in conference finals, both under Eric Spolstra. And they actually met back in the 1920 season and the heat took that series four to two. I believe that was the bubble season where they ended up in 1920 losing- season. Yeah. That was a long time ago. 1920? <laughs> yes. That was many years. Celtics have been around that long. There's probably a bubble then too, I guess. Wasn't there, wasn't there a, There's a, a pandemic flu. in the 20s? Yeah, yeah there's a Spanish flu. I was, it was the bubble of the 20s. <laughs> <laughs> see, I was, I was completely accurate in everything I said. Wrong pandemic. But yes, the bubble. You're right with that part. So the, the Heat feel like they've had the Celtics number. I've been wrong about the East the entire time. I was going with the Nets and the Bucks, and you see how those two have both worked out for me. On last week's show, I proclaimed my newfound appreciation for the Celtics team. And if they don't get it done this year, I think they're the team to watch next year. They have everybody coming back under contract. The I think the entire top 10 in minutes played from this team is set to come back. I believe Marcus Smart and Al Horford missing game one really hurt them. I don't I don't know what to think about this one. I seven games, coin flip. My my gut instinct is to go with the Heat. I feel like they're ready to win now. They've been here. I'm a huge supporter of Jimmy Butler, and I think they've taken on the attitude that he brings, you know, P.J. Tucker, Bam Adebayo, these gritty, hard-nosed players. They're they're fun, but they're not, you know, finesse and flashy. They're going to get right in your face, which Boston, I think, will give it right back, or at least Marcus Smart will, if not the rest of the team. Al Horford, I think, has a lot of that left in him as well. So a fun series, a seven-game I'm going to go with the Heat in a, in a tough one. I think it's going to be seven fantastic games, and then we're going to get Heat Warriors. Have we ever had the Heat Warriors final? I'm just going to look that up really quick. We have never had, I believe the Mavericks and the Warriors have never played each other. It's the first time those two have ever met in the conference finals. As I mentioned, the Heat 2-0 and over the Celtics in the finals. I'm trying to look up NBA championships here to see if we've ever had Heat Mavericks, and I forgot it. With uh, the Celtics, they have a new coach this year. Brad Stevens was their coach. He's moved to the front office. And I just wonder if if he were still the coach, would they have the run that they've had and the potential? I don't know. There's kind of a thing in pro sports that uh, they start to tune out the head coach after a while. Belichick would be like the the um, – the, ex- the exception to the rule, but it seems like everybody else after like five to seven years 
you're you're kind of probably done. Uh, Bolstra for the Heat has actually surpassed that. Now we might say he wasn't the coach; had the the uh, Dwayne Wade, LeBron James teams. Um, it was just more of a figurehead, but he's managed to stick around for a long time. Um, Popovich with the most most of the time they don't, and so it's it's good to see the Celtics here because I really like their team. But I wonder if Brad Stevens were still the head coach if they would have made it this far. Aaron on that whole deal. I like Eric Spolstra. It kind of seemed like when he he started there, it was just uh, he's going to be the face while uh, LeBron and company does all their stuff, and that once LeBron left, he might fade away, but he hasn't. And he have still been good. They got to the finals and all that. So um, pretty good for him. And I don't know how much he plays a part in building their teams, but Jimmy Butler has bounced around a lot because he's been picked up by teams that just do not mesh with him. And it hasn't worked out very well at a very variety of stops, but the heat seemed to really work well with Jimmy Butler, that the, the team they built around him is the right type of players that they need to make it work out. And it's been going really well. So I don't know if he plays a part of that, if that's more of the front office people, but whoever's in charge of the Heat, good job. Um, but Eric Spolster has been a, a pretty good coach along the way, too, on his own, right? That's People probably did not give him credit for right away. I, I get that he had LeBron, but he's been to five NBA finals as the head coach, which is amazing. I'm seeing if I can pull up coaches here, but that's I have to imagine he's in pretty rarefied air, and people are going to give all the credit to LeBron and Pat Riley. It's bolstered to be in five finals and potentially a sixth is no small feat. And from what I'm seeing here, the Heat and the Warriors have never played each other in the finals. They're kind of ships passing in the night for as good as they've both been for the last decade or so. Uh, the Warriors kind of hit their peak right when LeBron went back to Cleveland. So the LeBron Heat teams did not meet this Warriors team and the Heat were nothing before 2006. There's your history. <clears throat> So to recap, who wants to officially go on record with their finals at this stage? I'm going Warriors Heat with the Warriors Same. winning it all. Same. I hope you're both right. And I'm the Mavericks and the Celtics. Ooh, going against the grain on both accounts. You guys talked about making bets and winning money. The other night, Draymond Green won me $4. He was over under seven and a half points. And I said, absolutely, Draymond Green's going to get at least eight points. Very nice. It felt like a weirdly low number for Draymond to only get eight points in a playoff game. Well, How many uh, did he end up with? I don't know. More than, more than seven and a half. Eight? Eight? <laughs> Probably. I feel like eight or nine, I think. Eight, um, point, eight points, five fouls, and seven rebounds. That one. Yeah, he's he's kind of iffy because he'll get like two layups or rebound putbacks right away, and he'll be like at four points, and he just won't score for like the last forty minutes of the game. So it's uh, it's always risky with him because you just never know when he's gonna get thrown out of a game to uh, ever pick an over on anything of his because he could be playing really well, but by halftime he's tossed, and you know then you're just screwed. So I don't know if I ever bet on Draymond Green because I'm just worried he's gonna get thrown out if I do. We will keep you posted on that here in the next couple of weeks. I plan to have Andrew on again next week, our true basketball nerd. He's watched every minute of this playoff, so we'll see what his take is. But for now, we're going to switch over to golf. You want some betting advice. Kevin is your go-to golf expert. What do we need to know about the PGA Championships? What is it? Where is it? And who's going to win? The PGA Championship is a major that is, uh, where are we at now? The second major of the year. They used to be at the end of the major cycle, and then they – started switching stuff around when the Olympics became a thing with golf and blah, blah, blah. And here we are. So now we get to play a little early in the year at Southern Hills in glorious Tulsa, Oklahoma, everyone's favorite vacation spot. Um, Southern Hills is uh, a fairly well-known golf course in the world. Um, there hasn't been a big major there for a little while. Um, see, I believe it was what Tiger won it against. Uh, I forget the guy's name, but a uh, somewhat well-known guy who plays on a senior tour now, but um one of his majors that he won there back in 2007, 2008, something like that. He, beat, he, according to Wikipedia, he beat a guy named Woody Austin that nobody's ever. Oh yeah. Woody Austin. Yeah. Good old Woody Austin. He's a, <laughs> he's a good guy out there in the senior tour. Check it out. And your local senior tour. Anyway. Um, so it's a, a pretty well-known golf course, like many golf courses. It has kind of gone under a, 
um, a little renovation, restoration, whatever you want to call it, um, since there's been big tournaments there. Um, and as any restoration, res- renovation takes place these days at big courses, the, the theme is always to turn it back to the course that it used to be when it was built. Um, and so that's kind of what has happened there. Um, the designer of the course, Perry Maxwell, of course, we all know Perry Maxwell very well because he has designed one Vinker Memorial Golf Course, which you guys have definitely played in your lives, which is the golf course right next to Iowa State University. So we're all very familiar with Perry Maxwell and his work. Um, but Perry Maxwell is big in the Oklahoma slash Texas area for making golf courses. And that's kind of where he did all of his work and made Southern Hills. Um, he's also touched Augusta a little bit and a number of other very large golf courses that have hosted lots of majors. Um, so his work has kind of sprinkled out a little bit that these guys are a little bit familiar with. Um, but so the restoration and taking it back to what he designed it at, however many 70, 80, 90 years ago was one of the big things is the course used to be have lots of trees, tight line fairways. You need to hit in the fairway to, uh, to be in play and lots of trees have been removed. Fairways have been opened up a little bit more. And I think it's going to be playing that way for the PJ championship. So some of your big bombers that maybe aren't the most accurate guys in the world are going to be in a little bit better shape now than if they have played this course five, six, seven years ago with a lot more trees there. Um, so it's too bad for your, your BDC pulling out because that might've worked well with his, uh, killing the ball and who knows where it's going to go approach. Um, so some of those big hitters, I think will have that, that advantage, um, that they don't necessarily have to be super accurate off the tee. Um, one thing that we saw with Augusta that's also happening here is around the greens, um, around the edges of the greens. If you land on the edge of the green, your ball goes to the edge of the green. It's probably going to roll off the green. Um, the greens will play smaller than they look on TV. Um, and so you got to be accurate hitting it into the greens. Um, and you're going to assume people are going to find themselves plenty of times shortly off the green. They'll probably be in a lot of mowed down areas, which will mean the ball will roll away. So you're not just going to end up three feet off the green, five feet off the green, your ball is going to roll 15, 20 yards away, um, which leaves you at a point where you need to be creative and good with your short game. So when you're kind of looking for guys to pick, you want guys that are going to be big drivers, but probably pretty accurate with their iron shots, but maybe a little bit more importantly, if they miss the green, guys who are really good um, in making hard shots around the green, um, creativity, all that stuff around the green. Um, again, this guy is big in Oklahoma and Texas. That doesn't mean a ton, um, but there's some guys that are are very popular picks that are from the state of Texas that have probably played on a number of his courses. Um, it seems like teams in the Big 12 usually end up at Southern Hills from time to time playing in tournaments and conference championships and stuff like that. Um, so two of the most popular people, um, one Jordan Spieth, who was not very good at the Masters, but has finished first and second in his last two tournaments, is, of course, from Texas, played at Texas, probably played at Southern Hills at some point in college, has played on a lot of similar courses, maybe played on some other courses that had that same feel to it. Um, So he is probably a good pick. He has always been creative with um, making shots, good shots out of what looks like bad positions. Um, So Jordan Spieth already is a popular pick, um, and I think he fits into a lot of the things that will make him good for this week. Um, but the, if you just want to be smart with your money, Scotty Scheffler, um, he's never going to lose a golf tournament ever again. So he's just going to win them all. Um, you know, I, I think the big thing before with him was, well, he's never won a major. How is it going to look coming down the stretch? Is he going to hold it together? Even though he was really hot heading into the masters and he got to the masters and he was able to hold it together, um, on Sunday and get that win. So now he's got that win. Um, he probably has a good setup for, I mean, basically any course, but with this course as well. Um, and it's probably a boring pick just because he's been playing so well, but Scotty Scheffler is probably a pretty smart, smart pick. If you're trying to pick a winner, um, I don't remember what, uh, what odds he's at. He's at plus 1100. So, Hey, you can still make a pretty good profit off of picking Scotty Scheffler to win, um, at plus 1100. So those are two guys who are probably pretty good options and obviously they're very popular already to go with so those would be the big names to stick with if you're looking for a little bit more outside pick long shot maybe we'll call it um i have gone outside the top 20 and i'll consider those guys long shots according to DraftKings odds 
outside of top 20. Is that a long shot outside of top 20? Sure. For best odds. This first one, I got three guys. The first one doesn't probably really count, but he landed outside of 20, and that's uh, Mr. Kepka, um, just because he's been all over the place, injuries and all that stuff. So, But it's a major, and Brooks Kepka is involved. Um, he's usually done really well at the PGA Championship. So he's probably a guy that maybe they feel – he's probably not going to win, but um, he's outside of 20 for some of them there. Daniel Berger, um, he's, he's kind of been a little bit down. He had pretty good last year. Not quite as good this year, um, but he's uh, he's a pretty good player. I'm not sure if he'll ever get that major, but I definitely think he'll be in contention if you're looking for a little bit longer shot. And then uh, Mr. Corey Connors, I I did not pick him in the Masters. I figured he'd finish high, and I feel so guilty for not picking him, and I should have went with him. And so I did make up, and then our pick him for uh, – with our friends, I did pick Mr. Corey Connors, so he better not suck in this tournament now that I, I picked him this time around. But uh, he's also just a little over 20th in the uh, DK odds section, um, but he's been playing really well um, beyond just the Masters. So Corey Connors, um, again, probably not going to win it, but uh, maybe if you put him for like a top five, top 10, you can get Corey Connors top 10 at, uh, where's he at, plus 500, top 10. It's not bad. So there you go. Let's, hey, uh, Darren, can I interrupt with a couple of things here? Go crazy. So what the stock market where it is, uh, I, I'm going to keep plugging away here, Kevin, with trying to, to trying to rebound. Uh, Zalatoris, Tiger Woods, who's going who's gonna to win first round between the two of them? I'd probably take Zalatoris. Okay, Spieth um, and McElroy first round. I take Spieth. McElroy will shoot an 87 in the first round, then he'll shoot 62 the next three rounds and finish in second place. Okay, uh, good to know for uh, futures betting after round one. Then yeah, he always sucks in round one. It seems like. And then Hideki Matsuyama or Xander Shoffley first round. Ooh. Um, I probably take Xander, but okay, because. Ask is DraftKings wants to give you a parlay on those three things happening. They want Zalator and Matsuyama, so I may take uh, I may take the Matsuyama one out of that. Still yeah, get it plus plus two hundred three. Yeah, I feel much better probably about the other two then. Uh, Matsuyama. The leader after round one of these people. Uh, they are saying it will be one of these people for plus 1,300. Isn't Spieth, Fleetwood, Neiman, or Young, any of those? I'd probably say no. That's uh, Those uh, leaders after the first round is the, a horrible, horrible pick. The sucker's bet, huh? Yeah, it's a sucker's bet. It's kind of, put 50 cents on it, and maybe, hey, who knows? And if you win, then you just feel good about it more than the $7 or whatever you win. But um, – you're probably not going to win those things. And then the last for, for anyone uh, that, that DraftKings giving us money, uh, they give an 8% boost every day starting tomorrow, Thursday for the tournament. I will say the uh, head-to-head matches are much more enjoyable for me, and that's usually what I ended up betting on for the make-miss cut versus like actually picking a winner, picking top five, top ten. Um, sometimes I might do like a top 20 for somebody that's a little bit lower odds, like uh, a Corey Connors top 20 at the masters that, uh, get a little bit better odds because picking someone like Rory in the top 20 is going to not pay you anything. Um, but the head to head matchups, that's usually the way to go. If you're, uh, golf betting. I feel like Kevin needs to write a dissertation on Southern Hills golf course for a master's degree. I might, uh, good old Perry Maxwell. Yeah. We all like Perry. He is the father of golf in Oklahoma or something like that. What goes into, is there any rhyme or reason to the PGA championship course or just ones they like? We know the old timey British ones for the open masters always at Augusta. I feel like us open is the one where they pick the hardest possible course ever. I don't know what the criteria is for PGA championship other than just an elite course they like. 
I don't think they really have much of a, a criteria. They go, the thing that's a little bit more fun about the PGA championship is that they seem to pick a little bit more variety of courses than the U S open gives you. Um, the U S open has, has added a few more um, courses in there about outside of all the big normal ones, but it just seems like the PJ championship, you get a little bit more of these, you know, a place like Southern Hills that has hosted majors before, but it's just been a little while. Um, there was one down in uh, St. Louis, uh, what was it, Bellarive or something like that. Um, not too long. I should know the place. I went down there for a practice round, but um, you know, places like that, that you're probably never going to see in another major outside of uh, the PJ championship. So that was a little bit fun with them that they do pick up a few more of these, uh, of course, every now and then they will end up at a place like, um, oh, what the hell is the place I'm thinking of? You know, like Medina. I don't know if the U.S. Open ever goes to Medina, Wingfoot, things like that. Um, Oakmont, Pebble Beach, you know, that they'll go to those places from time to time too. Um, but you get just the more variety, which is nice. Um, Quail Howell, you probably don't get too many majors there. There's a Wells Fargo opener or whatever they call the, the annual tournament there that's uh it's a regular stop on the PJ tour. Um Whistling Straits, Valhalla, places like that that uh I don't think a US Open's ever going there, but the PJ championship it seems to work well. Well <clears throat> I'm I'm not gonna be bold enough to put as much money down as you guys are. And I'm I'm very much tempted by Kepka. I know he hasn't quite been right, but he shows up at Masters. He's a two time champion at the PGA Championship. I'm going to go with him, and then for really no reason at all, I'm going to go with Dustin Johnson, who I don't think I've ever actually picked in a golf tournament. But for whatever reason, I'm going Dustin Johnson with zero rhyme or reason. I'm tempted to take Rory McIlroy after three rounds of 62 to be a really good score. I'm not sure to climb out of that hole from the 87. I also don't know that betting against Scotty Scheffler is a good idea. But however, that's an easy pick. Uh, somebody who's there knocking on, or I'll, I'll take Cameron Smith to win the tournament. What about the Cameron? Worse, the thing that's worse about, uh, you're like, okay, I'm not going to pick Scotty Scheffler and I'm just not going to bet on a winner. And then he ends up winning and you're like, well, damn, plus 1100. I could have had the most obvious pick that you're ever going to get at plus 1100 to win something. So it's kind of like you, you should just put something on there because you're never going to find a plus 1100. That's like that easy of a bet again. There's too many Camerons. There's Cameron Smith and there's Cameron champ. You can't keep them straight. Uh, there's lots of differences. One of them is from the U S the other's not <laughs> one has the last name Smith and the other does not. So there's a few that stick out in the differences between the two. Some of the other names, according to Wikipedia, who are going to be playing. Uh, Alex Cheka is going to be there. I didn't realize he was on the senior tour, that he was that old. Um, Francesco Molinari is going to be there. Uh, I don't know if these guys are actually playing or if they're just eligible. You've got Rich Beam, John Daly, some guy named Sean Michael or Michelle. Yeah, those guys will all definitely be there. Ricky Fowler, is this not, I know Ricky Fowler fell off a cliff, but aren't we in his backyard? Isn't he Mr. Oklahoma? He is big there. Um, maybe that, maybe that's still water. He's actually been playing a little bit better, I think, lately. Well, then that's, that's my third one. If I get to pick a third dark horse, I'm going with Ricky Fowler to finally win his first major in his home state or adopted home state. If he uh, if he gets in the running late on Sunday, he'll probably have a very big uh, cheering section for him to uh, to will him on. He uh, he got 21st in his last tournament, which is at the Wells Fargo Championship, which he has won maybe multiple times in the past um, and seems to always do good there for some reason. Um, but before that, cut, cut, 52nd, 42nd, 55th, cut, and did not play in the Masters. So it's... Uh, Definitely not great for him still, um, but maybe this is that moment being back in Oklahoma will uh, get him going again. Matt Kuchar is also an option. Apparently, Charles Schwartzel isn't good anymore. He's like way down on the alternates list. Yeah, go with Rich Bean. Take him. 
All right. Anything else on PGA Championship before we get a couple more things in? Any more bad bets we need to make? No? All right. Moving on here, just a couple rapid-fire things I want to get to here. Shannon, how is your NHL playoff bracket looking? Because mine is uh, in pretty good shape. I got six of the eight teams to the semifinals other than the uh, Penguins absolutely collapsing with a 3-1 lead. And then it was the, uh, oh yeah, the Capitals. I just refused to bind to the Florida Panthers, but without your Blackhawks, how are things looking? I didn't know it was playoff hockey time until like the first game was over. And I looked and I saw, Hey, the Wilder in the playoffs. So I know that they're going to choke and not make it out of the first round. Look at uh, that. That's an easy bet every single year. Um, they're, they're like clockwork at, at in the playoffs. So um, I'm, I'm jumping on the Rangers bandwagon, Darren. Uh, uh, they're going to do it. So give me the New York Rangers. Kevin, have you watched every period so far? I, um, I have I, not watched every period. No, um, I haven't either. The the Wild, you know, even though I'm not really a hockey fan, I feel like some reason I get some weird hope for them each year that they're in. They have like a 2-1 lead or something like that at one point. 1-0 lead. Weren't they up in the series? Yes, they were. Um, so, you know, I had that. Maybe this is it. Maybe this is the year. It seems like they played a blues every year, too. Or blues or Texas or, or Texas, Dallas or whoever. Um, but it seems like they played a blues a lot. And it's just like, oh, we're going to lose. So, I mean, they play the worst team. They could play some junior hockey team and they'd lose in the playoffs if that's what it came to. So, um, but like most people who have ever tried to cheer for a Minnesota Wild, you get a glimmer of hope and then it just completely falls apart. And, you wonder why you actually had hope, but um, so yeah, that ended quickly for them. You know, the avalanche I had, uh, they were part of my parlay of all the, the champion teams that I had. So I kind of cheering for them because I kind of picked them, I guess. So that would be interesting. Um, let's see. I've always kind of liked the Rangers. Not really sure why. Probably because I like teams that are red, blue, and white a lot. So I might, I might go with the Rangers too. I wouldn't be upset if uh, a team from Canada won. Who do we got left? Calgary. Is that it? Oh, Edmonton. I'd Edmonton. Edmonton. I'll take the that. coolest. Uh, I, what's that called? Like the logo there. I think that's what I want to call it. The Edmonton Oilers logo is insanely kind of like the powder blue chargers uniforms. The logo, the Oilers is terrific. And one, thought on hockey before I before I stop talking is I heard a guy in January said to bet on the avalanche to win the stand because they're gonna do it and hey man uh that's as safe as bet as any and if you would have done it it was like plus something stupid you know four thousand something uh so it, it was a great bet at the time so uh Oilers logo yes great I I'm cheering for them just for that reason. And then the avalanche Kevin, that one sticking with my Rangers, Darren, tell us all the things we need to know. I am with you on that. I think we're headed for an Oilers Avs finals and basically everything you guys said about the wild is completely accurate. I've had this conversation with people about what do you mean? The wilders, they have so much talent. They're like the two seed and like never, ever trust the wild ever to ever do anything. Right. It's just not going to happen. You've got Edmonton with all the talent in the world. You've got Dreisaitl. You've got McDavid. I completely forgot that Evander Kane was there, but he's having a great playoff run. And then the the Avs with McKinnon and Kale Makar are, you have the two teams who are the future. People are asking, well, who's the next Ovechkin and Sidney Crosby in the next generation to take things over? And as you can tell by the last two weeks of the show, we all need to be better about our hockey knowledge and how much we watch. But these two teams feel like they're the future. The Lightning, the Lightning are kind of like the Warriors who are established and they're there. Now you've kind of got like the Celtics and the Grizzlies and the Suns kind of coming for that top spot. So I think that's where we're at. I think the winner of the Avs Oilers will be the one to take it all. I'm picking the Avs and they've been my pick all season. I'm riding with them this far. I've been a huge fan of this Lightning team with uh, Steven Stamkos being the big star there. I've been uh, high on him for a long time. Nikita Kucherov is another top 10 player in the NHL. But I just, I, I can't trust the East. I don't really have a good rationale for it. I'm never going to trust the Rangers. I, the, the Panthers and the Hurricanes both scare me. I don't, I don't know that there's enough there for either one of them. Uh, I think people appreciate when you point out that there's just as many teams left from Florida as there is from all of Canada. 
You've got the Lightning and the Panthers, and then you've got the Flames and Oilers. So Canadians love to hear that. So I think the West is far and away the better conference. Yes, people love the Panthers. I big light. I am a big Lightning fan, but watch out, Oilers, Abs. I think you're if if those two make it, like I think they will. That's where your champion's going to come out of that matchup. I need to do some research on the Oilers history because I thought I used them a lot in Blades of Steel and they were like a teal color in that game. Maybe that's a different team I'm thinking of, but I I thought the Oilers were teal in that color. So I want to know if they've changed their colors a little bit more to be this more uh, navy and orange. The San Jose Jose Sharks are teal. They're the first one that comes to my mind. I've never used San Jose. They're, They're too boring. I think, I think the, I mean, hockey teams change their uniforms a lot, like a lot of other pro teams, except for like your Red Wings and Rangers who get it right and don't change. But can't, I'm trying, like, I'm trying to picture Wayne, Gre- Wayne Gretzky playing for them in the 80s. And I feel like they were still that same kind of white, orange, navy combo. Anyway, I like Edmonton. If they win, I'd be happy. Avalanche, I'll be happy because I picked them a long time ago. And then the Rangers, they'd probably, they'd probably be happy. They, they've won like what, in the 90s or something like that? They've won before. It's just been a super long time. Yeah. Well, and it seems like Panthers and Hurricanes shouldn't be good at hockey, so I'm not going to cheer for them. Correct. I should look this up. I should know off the top of my head. What's where's the bracket? I lost my bracket that I had in front of me. Now, other than Lightning, I was trying to see when the last one of these teams won a championship was because the Lightning just won two in a row. They're going for the three peat. Haven't the Hurricanes won recently? Hurricanes won in 2006. I want to say. Panthers okay. haven't, Rangers haven't. It was just like yesterday, Kevin. That was yesterday, yeah. That was recent. We'll call the, it recent. The, I think the Avs had one in the late 90s, and then the Oilers and Flames has been a long time. I think we figured out last week there hasn't been a Canadian winner since 1993. But you had the Blues in 2019 with their little Cinderella run. So the Blues and Lightning have been your most consistent of the teams left. And then, yeah, probably the Hurricanes in 2006 because – Basically, hockey in the 2010s was the Kings, the Blackhawks, and the Penguins, and a little bit of the Bruins, and all of them are gone. So, just just like to point out here, the the Blackhawks uh, would have camps in 2010, 2013, and 2015. We want some history of the recent era, and they mortgaged the entire franchise to be able to play uh, pay Jonathan Taves and. Patrick Kane. So they are going to be, oh, this year they were 28 and 42. Uh, they're going to be about that bad for the next, or 28, 42, and 12. Sorry, overtime losses. But yeah, they're going to take be, a title when you can get it. Yeah. So they Kinda are like the Royals uh, 15. <laughs> the theme happened anyway. In the but yeah, so now Chicago is going to be garbage for the next decade. It's kind of like what the Red Wings did and how they've been trying to rebuild and have been awful. So. I want to bring up the Red Wings. I hope they get good again someday. One time, a long time ago, many moons ago, they were good. And I was going through Detroit during the playoffs. Um, I don't know if they were in the finals. This was probably like 2000, maybe. And I'd probably never been to Detroit before, but Red Wings stuff was just everywhere. And we weren't like staying in Detroit or anything, just passing through. But all the shops, windows and everything, just Red Wings stuff everywhere they uh they deserve to have a good hockey team in detroit so someday maybe they'll be good again i think they might be the one american city where hockey is the most popular sport i'm trying to do a quick look here Eh, no i was going to say nashville but as much as they love the predators i'm guessing they're not out drawing the titans yeah the red Red wings detroit i mean based on your other options i think detroit is probably a red wings first city at least you get to win once in a while Pistons have some championships. Pistons may may have the most recent championship in that city. We'd have to do some research, but hockey is better when the Red Wings are good. They are probably the marquee franchise, maybe them and the Penguins. But now that they're in the East, which I would argue is a little bit easier, they should be able to get back up in there. Again, they've been rebuilding for about seven years now. So hopefully they get up there and we'll, we'll have it every year. Finally getting to talk some NHL like I've been wanting all season. Happy to have it on our docket. Mark uh, Messier was a elite player for the Rangers back in the day when we were impressionable youth. Maybe that's why you like them. Maybe not. I think I liked the Knicks back in those days. And so there's just another New York team. And so I thought I should cheer for them since I didn't really have a team. Mark Messier was crushing it in like 1994. 
Wait, who's your, do you have a baseball team you enjoy? Like if you had to pick a baseball team? I like the Red Sox and the Twins. Mm. So I was trying to see if this, well, the, the red, white, and blue thing kind of makes sense, but I don't know if you had an all New York bent because you got the Buffalo Bills for football. Bills, yeah, I liked the Knicks when I was a kid. Um, I don't really care much about them anymore. I don't really have a NBA team per se. I cheer for Minnesota, but uh, I mostly just watch, which is kind of nice when you don't get crushed because teams lose. That's that's fun. It's a good approach. So before we recap how we did on the draft from several weeks ago, Shannon, do you have enough insight in the current NASCAR landscape to tell us what's happening there and what's coming up? A little bit. Uh, I haven't fully invested in I have paid enough attention to know that there are some up and comers that are, that are making saves. Um, Ross Chastain is one who has, has been a winner so far and he may be a new name for you. If you're not su- super familiar with NASCAR, um, he's kind of toiled in, in some trucks and some Xfinity series stuff, but he has now won. He's locked himself into the playoffs. Austin Sindrick, a rookie, won the Daytona 500. He's locked into the playoffs. And then if we flip the coin over, uh, Brad Keselowski is struggling mightily. He has moved Roush racing to, to kind of be a co-owner of the team. You might say And his life after racing is owning race car. So taking over the ownership part, but he has really struggled. Uh, so that's a name of, of a guy that's typically top five, top 10 finishes in the points. Uh, way out of it. Harvick is struggling this year. It, it's taken a while for Kyle Bush to get his, but he's starting to come around. Uh, Kurt Bush won this past weekend. Uh, another, uh, a big win for him because he is now on that Michael Jordan team. He's the second car with Bubba Wallace. And so for, for that team to get a win is a huge deal. Um, they're, they're kind of a byproduct of the Gibbs racing. And so, so Gibbs and Hendrick are the two big teams, uh, this 2311 owned by Michael Jordan and Denny Hamlin, but all of their stuff is Joe Gibbs racing. So Joe Gibbs has those two cars and, uh, Kurt Busch won this past weekend. And there was a picture of Jordan on the side of the car. It was pretty cool to see that, uh, typical chick. It, Ryan Blaney doing well, um, all the Hendrick cars doing well, the Gibbs cars doing well. And then um, the the season has kind of adjusted a little bit from the past. Uh, since the pandemic, uh, they raced on dirt at Bristol, which was kind of cool. I know the drivers hate it because it gets pretty slick, but it's fun to see those guys try to drive on dirt. Uh, Darren, your boy, Ricky Stenhouse Jr. has not gotten in every race and so there's something to celebrate for you there uh, it's it's shaping up to be season a fun season uh once uh once i have some more time here coming up in a couple start to pay a little bit more of attention to it and and really dive into it so i can have a good middle of the summer detailed breakdown of like hey here are the five guys to watch as we hit the the playoff we're Kind of at a, I would call it a little bit of a break in the schedule because we've got the all-star race coming up this weekend, which it bothers me that that's in Texas now and not at Charlotte. It feels like it should always be at Charlotte. And then you've got the big, the big one, the 600 mile Coke 600 on Memorial Day weekend in Charlotte. And then a bit of a race in Madison, Illinois, which I'm guessing is Chicago land. And then you've got the Toyota road race. So I feel like kind of June, you know, late May, June is kind of a transition period. And then, then we're going to, Pick it up a pace. You got Nashville, Atlanta, Pocono. Which, don't you hate Pocono? Haven't we talked about that before? Yes, I, I hate Pocono. I just, I'm a Pocono fan, and then you get the uh, Brickyard at the end of July. So we're picking up here. We've gone through a lot of the good tracks. You know, Talladega, my favorite. But yeah, it's a very wide open. You're maybe finally seeing Ryan Blaney, William Byron, Ross Chastain, one of them get over the hump. You've still got Chase Elliott, Kyle Busch. Joey Logano, Kyle Larson hanging around the top 10. And yeah, all this hype around Bubba Wallace, and he's 22nd in points, needs to get things turned around there. If the whole team's getting better, they appear to be about the, the Gibbs cars and their offshoots are about the only Toyota cars. So they need to get things going there. 
Ricky Stenhouse, Ty Dillon, Cole Custer. Just wondering if any of these guys are ever going to become what they're expected to be. Ty Dillon drives cars, so he's he can't. He's a, he's a fine driver, but he's the cars he's in aren't any good, so he's never going to make the cut. Yeah. What? It, so there's only 33 full time drivers now. Feels like a much smaller group. Yeah, it it seems to be way where. There's fewer and fewer people locked in every week. So you're saying we could throw a car together and go to testing somewhere? We could. We just need principal to back us up on that. See if the, we could get some money from them. The principal truly DraftKings number 48? I ain't driving. I'm not putting truly on my car. Busy, whatever it is, Bon and Viv, whatever you guys drink. Uh, so, yes. And side note, uh, Calgary and Edmonton, after two periods have scored 11 goals, it's six to five playoff hockey at its best. Hope you took the over. So I'm doing research on this hockey stuff and in the game, I'm pretty sure it's saying Edmonton has like green jerseys, which it looks like. And that's, that's what I was thinking of not teal green, which they're sweaters, sweaters or the sweaters are green, which based off everything I can see, they've never actually been green in real life. So I'm not sure exactly how that worked out for the game. I have not uh, completed my research yet to understand that. So I'm always disappointed when I see them. I'm thinking green in my head, and then I see they're blue and orange. And I'm like, what is this? But apparently that's what they've actually always been. Well, isn't it kind of like NBA teams who just arbitrarily change their entire color scheme? Like the Atlanta Hawks every three years, I feel like, have brand new colors. The Cavaliers seem to do it a lot. I always like when the uh, wild... They change their colors to be that of the North Stars, and everyone gets all excited because it's the North Stars and back in the glory days, and everyone's mad they're the wild now, so they just change their colors to be that color scheme. I completely forgot about this, Shannon. Your uh, your guy, Duncan Keith, is on the Oilers, so there's your rooting interest. Yeah, that's great. Go Oilers. Edmonton's right. probably not that far of a drive from Des Moines, right? We can make that for a game? I think so. Next game, we could be there. Probably have to have a passport. Do you know where your passport is? I'm sure that uh, if you just like get off on a side road, right, you can just cross over on some side road through the forest. Should be True. Fine. Yeah. Be looking for stuff. So our last thing on this week's show, we're going to finally get around to recapping the draft. Haven't had these two on since the draft. And if my math is correct in my very quick reading through here, we had 24 of the 32 players correct. So congrats all around to all of us on that. I think I probably missed the most. I did some very wild reaching on my players. We got four of them ending up with the correct team. We got two of them in the exact right slot. And Kevin and I each had one. He had Ahmad Sauce Gardner at number four going to the Jets. And I had Charles Cross at number nine going to the Seahawks. We also had Kayvon Thibodeau. Shannon had him going at seven. He did go at five, but still went to the Giants either way, so we're counting it. And then I had uh, Shannon, again, also had Derek Stingley going number 13 to the Texans. He wound up going number three to the Texans. But we're still going to count it. You got the right guy to the right team. It's hard to be totally accurate when we don't do trades, and this draft was rife with trades. Hard to assume what the Texans are going to do because it's not going to make any sense. So. <laughs> Also true. 13 was the right spot. They took them three, whatever. So good job to us. Any, uh, any thoughts on your performance in your mock drafting? Obviously you, you watch it and you're like, Oh, that was a really dumb pick or oh, why didn't I do that? And so it's, it, anybody could watch it in hindsight. I was shocked to see Nicobe Dean fall as far as he did. And, and kind of all the talk afterwards was people were worried about his medical stuff and, and injury, and and that's why he didn't go in the first round. But he, he was like in the third or fourth round. I mean, some or fifth round. I don't even know when he went, but it was just insane how far he dropped. And then the other thing is uh, I've heard enough and read enough about how Matt Corral is going to be the, uh, the new and moved – Patrick Mahomes saving the NFL quarterback, Darren. So I hope you got your Matt Corral Carolina Panthers jersey because apparently he's going to be the real deal. 
That, that's what I was trying to tell them. They just need to listen to me. So that Dean stuff. So if I remember right, it's because he chose not to do a surgery to uh, fix whatever injury he has. He yeah, like a that, right? peck, like a torn peck or something like that. So it seems like he has, you know, some kind of agent and stuff like that who, who talk to GMs and scouts and all those types of people that he sh- that has to be a decision that he made knowing that that was going to drastically impact his stock, that teams were going to not be very interested or downgrade him a lot because he has not surgically repaired an injury and which maybe he's just, that's what he did, but it seems, it seems like he would not know that would happen. And he just elected to take that route and fall. That, that seemed to make sense that he probably had that idea teams. His agent would have talked to enough teams to say, Hey, we're going to back off your guy. If he doesn't get the surgery months ago. He fell to pick 83, ended up going to the Eagles. But yeah, you you have to know that all that's there and you know, not to listen to the hype. And I do wonder how many people actually do their own individual thought process and how many people say, oh, well, one mock drafter said Nicobe Deem is a top 20 guy. And then everybody just parrots that and how many people actually, because I, I tried to read a lot of mock drafts and listen to a lot of people talk and I did not hear a single person say, watch Nicobe Dean fall. They all said he was going to be a first rounder. Is, is it him or Devin Lloyd? So you just have to wonder how all those people are wrong and all their intel, how none of them knew, oh, there's his choice to not do surgery and already being undersized is going to cost him. But very weird how wrong all of those people can be. It's not weird. Yeah. It's, it's not weird when we're wrong. It's expected. All right. Anything else draft related? We're about at our hour here. We like to be consistent. I think, hey, did, did we put seven wide receivers in the first round? Because I think there were seven that were drafted. We put one, two, three, four, five, six. We only had six. And we went Garrett Wilson, Jameson Williams, Traylon Burks, Chris Olave, Drake London, Jahan Dotson. Who did we omit? The see it wasn't Sky Moore, it wasn't Christian Watt, and it wasn't your boy George Pickens. I think there was only six in the Maybe there was. Because it was one, two, three, four, five. Yeah, I'm only seeing six. I think we had them slightly in a different order. We had the right six, though. The only thing is we had had Drake London go a little bit low for whatever reason we let him slide, but I think we almost had the rest of them pretty right on. See, we know what we're doing. Talk about Joe's draft, the websites and stuff, just making stuff up. Brock Purdy, after his sophomore year, I think it was. And it's like, you know, like the week after the draft and they're making the draft the next year. And so he wasn't going to be leaving or anything like that. But for the next year, the people had him like top 10, top 20. And he's like the number one or two quarterback because they couldn't think of more than one or two other quarterbacks that had been playing for a couple of years in college that were going to be draft eligible that year. And so they just make stuff up and say, who's, oh, he plays. He's started for a couple of years. Let's put him. And so obviously not a top 10 pick. And I think anyone that actually knew what they were talking about that watched was going to say he's not going to be a top 10 NFL pick by any stretch of imagination. But uh, people just started throwing anything out there. That is until the, the real people start making lists and then they change it and edit it to, to fall in line with what all the, the big talking people have in place. But he could become the first Mr. Irrelevant to ever throw a pass in the NFL. Nah, I saw an article saying he has done absolutely nothing in rookie camp. So I'm going to go ahead and say that's probably not the case, but maybe it will. Maybe things will change around. I mean, what is, what is the depth chart like for the 49ers? You, you want to have three quarterbacks on the roster. We know, well, we know who we think we know who two of them are. No clue who else they have. Nick Mullins still running around there or CJ beat hard. Nope. Nope. Trey Lance starts. Uh, they're going to keep Garoppolo till about August 31st when Somebody gets hurt in training camp, then they can trade him to that team. And then that's where Brock Purdy gets himself a roster spot is by getting Jimmy Garoppolo traded. Nate Sudfield is uh, number three right now. And uh, according to this list, Brock Purdy would be number four. We just have Nate Sudfield. Yeah, and I think they actually probably paid Nate Sudfeld a stupid amount of money 
for um, what he's worth. I could be wrong on that, but I, for some reason, I want to say I saw he had a contract that was a little outrageous. So they only have four quarterbacks. So we need them to, they know they're going to trade Jimmy G close to the season. So he's not really on the team. And so uh, we just need him to uh, say they need a, if I keep a third guy to have like in the practice squad or something like that, right. You don't want to just have two people in total. So maybe he'll just be kept around just as an insurance policy in the practice squad. In case someone gets hurt. You come to the show for the golf talk. You stay for the 49ers quarterback depth chart analysis. Yes, the, the not the first string or even the second string. We really talk about the third and fourth string spots there in the 49ers depth chart. That's the good stuff. You don't hear that in ESPN. We want nothing to do with that Garoppolo Lance talk. It's pretty boring. All right. Anything else before we call it a night? Excellent. Well, I'm excited get- to see the uh, PGA Championship Sunday afternoon and cheering for uh, Corey Connors, Casey Connors. Corey, Corey Connors, Casey. the pride of Canada. Corey okay. Payne? Corey. See you around. There we go. So, yes, for him, Kevin. Corey Connors, make some big money. What I need to do is start writing down all the bets that we've made, like everything we've said bet money on tonight, and then actually follow through with that and see how much money a person would win or lose. Because we've given you NBA picks. We've given you NHL picks. We've given you PJ Championship picks. We In are other a, words, we've made you rich. We are a font of information, if you will. That's right. That's what this is. All right. Well, thank you everybody for joining us and we'll see you next week for episode 60, the 60th episode in a big week for us. Plan to have Andrew back on. So expect a lot of basketball talk and start sprinkling in more football as we get into the summer months. We thank you all for joining us. We'll see you next week. Bye.